0: It was a place of fear and myth, home of miracles and the worst kind of failure. I'd spent a quarter of my life there, learning to deal with the rhythm, the madness, the starched whiteness of it all. Five years' absence had turned me into a stranger, and as I entered the lobby, anxiety tickled my belly. Glass doors, black granite floors, high concave travertine walls advertising the names of dead benefactors. Glossy depot for an unguided tour of uncertainty. Spring, outside, but in here, time had a different meaning. A group of surgical interns, God, they were taking them young, slouched by on paper-soled scrub slippers, humbled by double shifts. My own shoes were leather-bottomed and they clacked on the granite. Ice-slick floors. I'd just started my internship when they'd been installed. I remembered the protests. Petitions against the illogic of polished stone in a place where children ran and walked and limped and wheeled. But some philanthropists had liked the look, back in the days when philanthropists had been easy to come by. Not much granite visible this morning. A crush of humanity filled the lobby, most of it dark-skinned and cheaply dressed, queued up at the glassed-in booths, waiting for the favors of stone-faced clerks. The clerks avoided eye contact and worshipped paper. The lines didn't seem to be moving. Babies wailed and suckled, women sagged, men swallowed curses and stared at the floor. Strangers bumped against one another and sought refuge in the placebo of banter. Some of the children, those who still looked like children, twisted and bounced and struggled against weary adult arms, breaking away for precious seconds of freedom before being snagged and reeled back in. Others, pale, thin, sunken, bald, painted in unnatural colors, stood there silently, heartbreakingly compliant. Sharp words in foreign tongues crackled above the drone of the paging operators. An occasional smile or bit of cheer brightened the inertial gloom, only to go out like a spark from a wet flint. As I got closer, I smelled it. Rubbing alcohol, antibiotic bitters, the sticky ripe liqueur of elixir and affliction. Oh, to hospital. Some things never changed. But I had. My hands were cold. I eased my way through the crowd. Just as I got to the elevators, a heavy-set man in a navy blue rent-a-cop uniform stepped out of nowhere and blocked my way. Blonde gray crew cut and a shave so close his skin looked wet-sanded. Black framed glasses over a triangular face. Can I help you, sir? I'm Dr. Delaware. I have an appointment with Dr. Eaves. I need to see some ID, sir. Surprised, I fished a five-year-old clip-on badge out of my pocket. He took it and studied it as if it were a clue to something looked up at me, then back at the ten-year-old black-and-white photo. There was a walkie-talkie in his hand, holstered pistol on his belt. I said, looks like things have tightened up a bit since I was last here. This has expired, he said. You still on staff, sir? Yes. He frowned and pocketed the badge. I said, is there some kind of problem? New badges required, sir. If you go right past the chapel, over to security, they can shoot your picture and fix you up. He touched the badge on his lapel. Color photograph, ten-digit ID number. "'How long will that take?' I said. "'Depends, sir.' He looked past me as if suddenly bored. "'On what?' "'How many are ahead of you? Whether your paperwork's current?' I said, "'Listen, my appointment with Dr. Eves is in just a couple of minutes. I'll take care of the badge on my way out.' "'Fraid not, sir,' he said, still focused somewhere else. He folded his arms across his chest. "'Regulations.' Is this something recent? Letters were sent to the medical staff last summer. Must have missed that one. Must have dropped it in the trash, unopened, like most of my hospital mail. He didn't answer. I'm really pressed for time. I said, how about if I get a visitor's badge to tide me over? Visitor's badges are for visitors, sir. I'm visiting Dr. Eves. He swung his eyes back to me. Another frown, darker, contemplative. He inspected the pattern on my tie, touched his belt on the holster side. "'Visitor's badges are over at registration,' he said, hooking a thumb at one of the dense queues. He crossed his arms again. I smiled. "'No way around it, huh?' "'No, sir. "'Just past the chapel? "'Just past and turn right. "'Been having crime problems?' I said. "'I don't make the rules, sir. "'I just enforce them.' He waited a moment before moving aside, followed my exit with his squint. I turned the corner, half expecting to see him trailing, but the corridor was empty and silent. The door marked security services was twenty paces down. A sign hung from the knob. Back in, above a printed clock with movable hands, set at 9.30 a.m. My watch said 9.10. I knocked anyway. No answer. I looked back. No rent-a-cop. Remembering a staff elevator just past Nuclear Medicine, I continued down the hall. Nuclear Medicine was now Community Resources, another closed door. The elevator was still there, but the buttons were missing. The machine had been switched to key-operated. I was looking for the nearest stairway when a couple of orderlies appeared, wheeling an empty gurney. Both were young, tall, black, sporting geometrically carved hip-hop hairstyles. Talking earnestly about the Raiders game... One of them produced a key, inserted it into the lock, and turned. The elevator doors opened on walls covered with padded batting. Junk food wrappers and a piece of dirty-looking gauze littered the floor. The orderlies pushed the gurney in. I followed.